The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Betza has been dedicated anonymously of Meir Ben Esther. Amen. has been dedicated as well Amen. We bless our anonymous sponsor that Bezat Hashem he should be blessed with Arichut Yamim, health, Oshir, Veoshir, Vechavod, and Bezat Hashem should be Zocher in the near future to raise a family uh, and continue all his good work for the community. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated in honor of Rabbi Ilan Mansour and the entire daf Yomi class by Mr. Tuvi Assis and family. Dav Vav. Today's daf is being studied in the Nishmat of Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem tani chenu began eden amen. Today's daf is being studied in the Fuash Chedemar Rafael David and Levi ben Beracha. Enna refanalo, enna refanalo, enna refanalo, fata nefesh, fata gufu atokur balabo. Bechen yirason lenomar, amen. We begin today's daf right on the top of daf Vav. Amar Rava. Met biyom tov rishon. If somebody uh, passed away, actually we read it met. If somebody passed away biyom tov rishon on the first day of yom tov, yitaseku bo amemim. He could be buried, but only by Gentiles. Met biyom tov sheni. However, on the second day of the yom tov, yitaseku bo Yisrael. Then already Jewish people are involved, are allowed to. Involve themselves in the burial. Now, of course, in burying somebody, there is melacha. The, the burial itself would be considered digging, which is normally asur, cutting the shrouds, right, in order to prepare it for the mint. It's also asur, would be gozez, or, um, uh, yeah, gozez, and cutting uh, uh, other uh, different types of melacha. They would have to do carrying him, uh, mukse, etc. So, all these things are mutar on the first day, ayede goi. On the second day, ayede Yisrael. I think I will explain. Va'afilu b'shnei yamim tovim she'el Rosh Hashanah. Wow, even the two days of Rosh Hashanah, which really we concluded in the last Gemara, I really considered one long Kiddushah, and the rabbis instituted it as one long day, still, regarding a met on the second day, we're lenient for Jewish people to involve themselves in the actual burial. Masheen ken babetza. Wow. So when it comes to betza, we're mahmir. Nolad bezeh, berosh hashanah, asura bezeh. And for betza, we're going to hold that it's one long kiddushah, and we're going to be mahmir. But for met, for the law of burial, we'll be lenient. Okay, so that's the opinion of Rava. There's a haluk between a met and the betza legabe rosh hashanah. Nehardi'eh amre, the rabbis of Nehardi'eh said, af babesa. You know what? Even Besa on Rosh Hashanah, Nolad Bezeh, Mutar Bezeh. That's a big hadush. Means he's allowing the Besa on the second day to be permissible. Now, the Chaoraf, let's review the history that we learned yesterday. Originally in the Beit HaMikdash, uh, the rule was a deem would come. Right? And they would testify uh, on the 30th day of Elul, for example, that they saw the moon. Betim would sanctify it as. Rosh Hashanah, and then the first day would be Rosh Hashanah, and there would be no second day of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah in the Torah is only one day. 
What happened was, uh, one year in the Beit HaMikdash, uh, the Ainim were late. Uh, came the afternoon, where they were bringing the Tamid Shal Ben Arbaim, the afternoon Korban, and the Kohanim, and the Levim, instead of singing uh, the Rosh Hashanah song, because they didn't think it was Rosh Hashanah, they didn't think the witnesses were going to show up, so they sang the song of Chol. Right, the weekday song. What ended up happening right after they sang that song, as they brought the Korban, the Edim showed up. Oh, so the Rabbi said, this is Kilkul. This is a, this is a mess up over here. We sang the wrong Shir. So at that point, the Hachamim made a Takana. What's the Takana? For now on, we never accept witnesses after Minha. And from that time on, witnesses, uh, that would come. After Minha, what the rabbis would do is like this. They'd say, we're not accepting them. So, but still, we're going to push Rosh Hashanah until tomorrow. But today we're going to treat as Kodesh as well. Even though they didn't accept the testimony, but since they did the you know, majority of their Kodesh, they're going to keep it Kodesh as well because they didn't want a, a problem to come out in the, in the future years. Now, that means even in Beit Din and Eretz Yisrael, there was a scenario where Rosh Hashanah was two days, not Misafik. The two days was not because we had a doubt. The two days were an institution of Hakamim, which means it was uh, originally they instituted today's Kodesh and tomorrow's Kodesh. And therefore we said, when the Galut, right, the people outside of Eretz Yisrael, when they're doing two days, because they never know when the witnesses come, so they always have to do two days, so it's going to be like the institution of Eretz Yisrael, that's going to be like all one Kiddushah, where the Hakamim decided both days of Kodesh. Therefore we said, Nolad Bezeh, Asura Bezeh. So now the rabbis of Nahar De'ah come along and say, Yes, we agree with you. There was a Takana in Eretz Yisrael that the rabbis came along and said, Minha and oh, we don't accept witnesses. And therefore, technically, there's going to be a situation where Rosh Hashanah is going to be two days. Uh, the first day the rabbis will institute it, right? Because they don't want uh, the problem to come out. The next day, of course, is going to be Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, it's Yom We agree with the Takana. The only problem is like this. What do you think? What were you worried? That Elul is going to be pushed to the next day, which means you thought that they weren't to sanct- they weren't going to sanctify Elul on the 30th. You thought they were going to do it the next day. There's two days of Rosh, uh, that the possible to be Rosh Chodesh. Either the 30th or the 31st. Right? So we always talking on the 30th, the witnesses came late. Right? And then the rabbis pushed it to the next day. So, so what are you worried about? You're worried about a case that Elul is going to be uh, pushed to the next day? This has never happened. Which means the rabbis made this takana. If the witnesses ever come after Minha, we're going to make two days. But the Nahardeh rabbi said it never happened. Which means never in the history besides once in Azaz for first time. Did the witnesses ever come after Minha that the rabbis had to activate their takana where they made two days? Jeez, the rabbis made a takana, they said like this, in the event that this happens, we're going to make two days. But it never happened. It never happened after that, which means there was always one day in Eretz Israel. So therefore they say, for the takana to take hold, it had to happen once. But it never happened. Jeez, the rabbis were concerned. I always say, you know what? If the witnesses are going to come after Minhah, we're making a new rule now. They're never going to be accepted, and we're going to make the first day Kodesh and the second day Kodesh. Right? They gave us their idea of a potential Yuma Arikhtah. So we always figured, yeah, so we always figured what? 
And in subsequent years, you know, over the hundreds of years, it must have happened, you know, 50, 60 times, where they did two days in Betin, and therefore they, even in Israel, they did two days. Therefore, in Chuzlaharis, that's modeling, that has to follow the two days also. It's going to be like the original Takana, therefore it's Yom Arikhtan, therefore Nulat Bezer, Asunat Bezer. Now, there are always, they are telling you now, that the Takana never kicked in. It never kicked in, which means never happened that they came late. And therefore, never happened where the rabbis had to say, today's Kodesh and tomorrow's Kodesh. So therefore, the two days that they're doing in Hustla Aris are going to be misafik. It's not going to be because, even in Israel they do two days because uh, of No, in Israel they never did two days because of Yom And therefore, no, that bezeh, mutar bezeh. That's the Nardeaz opinion. Now, the rabbis yesterday that argue on this uh, opinion, obviously are going to hold that now, once they made the takana, that if this happens, we're going to do this, it doesn't matter if it happens or not. Which means once they said in the event that the witnesses come late, we're going to make today Kodesh and tomorrow Kodesh, the takana doesn't have to be activated for it to uh, have uh, uh, enough kamina. Once they made such a takana, I don't care if the witnesses for the next 300 years never came late, and the rabbis never had to make two days, doesn't matter. The Meritakana, therefore, the two days is like as if it happened. And therefore, it's considered Yomar Ikhta, and therefore, Nolad Bezeh Sunab Zubh. That's the opinion of Nardai. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Murzutra. And Murzutra goes back to the law of the burial. Law Amaran That which we said, that on the second day of Yom Tov, Jewish people are allowed to get involved in the burial. Elad Ishtaheh. We're talking about where the burial was delayed. Which means, let's say, it were, he died before Yom Tov. Mm-hmm. Okay? So now already it's the third day. If you're not going to bury him, it's, the body's going to start to decompose. So if, if already the body has not been buried for a delayed time, then on the second day we let Jews get involved in the burial. Aval, lo But let's say he died on Yom Tov. Right, where there's not so much of a delay machine on there. We wait until after Yom Tov to bury them, and we do not allow the Jews to bury on the second day of Yom Tov. Correct. We wait till after the holiday until Jews can bury him uh, 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 properly. Rav Amar, Rav argues, Afal Gav de lo name lo He says no. Even though there was no delay, I mean, even if he died on Yom Tov. On the second day, you bury Al Yadeh Yisrael. You don't have to, only you could be lenient in all cases. Even if he dies on the second day of Yom Tov, where there was no delay, the body is fresh, so to speak. Still, Jewish people can bury on the second day. Okay, so that is really being lenient for Kavod Amit to bury Al Yadeh Yisrael, even if it was on that day. My Ta'ama, he explains, what's the reason? Yom Tov Sheni Ligabemet Kehol Shabirabana. The second day of Yom Tov. Is like a weekday regarding a mit. So we treat it like a regular weekday, and therefore, if he dies on that day, it's like dying on a regular, regular weekday. Therefore, there's no reason not to be mekel. We bury uh, in such a situation. So the Gemara says, even to cut for him his gilima, the let's say shrouds, and to cut hadas. Which means the Gemara is trying to make a point. goes without saying that on the second day of Yom Tov, you're allowed to do the necessary things for a mit. 
necessary things would be the burial, actually the cutting the fabric to make the shrouds, and all the mandatory items, vadai, that's permissible. We're telling you, no, it's like hall. You could do even non-mandatory items. The gilima that we're talking about over here is an extra garment that they would put on the mat, meaning for extra kavod, but not necessary really. The hadas that they would cut, that's kavod to put you know, next to the mat, that's not a mandatory item. So the hadush is, the second day is considered hol gamur. That not only are the mandatory items going to override the second day, but even non-mandatory items are going to override. That's why the Gemara says the Lashon, Afidu, even to do these items that are not essential, it is still going to be permissible. Okay? So basically that's the Bashishita, second day of Yom Tov, Mutar Ayyadeh Israel in all scenarios. Doesn't have to be only a myth that died earlier, it can be even a myth that died on that day where there was no Shehiyah, it'll be Mutar Ayyadeh Israel. What's going to be Mutar Ayyadeh Israel? Basically everything, even non essential Melachot. So, but in our days that we have havre, havre were a because she calls them Umar Rishah was a wicked nation of anti-Semites that lived in the times of the Persian, and they would torment the Jewish people, and with all different types of gezerot, and they would demand from us always to do work for them. On Yom Tov, however. We used to tell them, listen, today we can't work, it's our holiday. And for whatever reason, they accepted that, that claim. Now, if we're going to start burying the dead on the second day of Yom Tov, they're going to come along and say, ah, you're lying, look at this, you're, you're, you're digging, you're cutting, you're doing, and therefore they're going to demand from us to do other melakha. So that today, that we have the havre, we have these rishayim that are, uh, you know, mandating us, haishinan, we're concerned, and therefore on the second day of Yom Tov, we do not bury the dead. Right? Because we don't want the havre now to come along and use it against us. Okay, oh, you're not working, hey, you're working, you're burying. So therefore, it's asur on the second day when there is havre. Okay? Now we go to a story. Ravina abayyatif kamid rab Rabbi Nah was sitting in front of Rabbi Asher. Bishnei Yamim Tovim Shor Shashana. Okay, it was Rosh Hashanah. Two days Rosh Hashanah, of course they were in Galut. Right, they had their two days of Rosh Hashanah. Hazia Dahava Atif. So he saw that Rabbi Asher was kind of upset or depressed. Amar Leh. So Rabbi Nah tells Rabbi Asher, Am I Atif more? Why is the master upset? It seems Rosh Hashanah was Thursday, Friday, Shabbat. Of course, Shabbat is following, right? Now the Halakha says, which we're going to learn in the second Pedic, that for a person to cook from Yom Tov to Shabbat, you need to establish what we call Eruv Tavshilin. Okay, it's a certain establishment which we'll learn about. If you don't establish the Eruv Tavshilin, basically you can't prepare... From Yom Tov to Shabbat. So now, it's Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Asher is all upset. Oh, Rabbi, what are you upset about? He says, I'm going to prepare now. How am I going to prepare from uh, Yom Tov to Shabbat? So, Amar Leh. So, Ravina gives him the answer. He tells him, Why don't you do it now? 
Do it now. It was the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Do it today. Now, really, we know he can't establish an Eruv on Yom Tov. So what was Ravina telling him? Do it today. Milo Amar Ravah. Didn't Ravah teach us? Maniyah Adam Eruvet Tavshirin Mi Yom Tov Lachavero Umatne. Didn't Ravah say you could put an Eruv Tavshirin on Yom Tov with a condition? And you can say like this. Take the Eruv, let's say, take the egg and the bread, we'll call it. That's the Eruv, let's say. And say the condition. Say, if today is Yom Tov, today's Yom Tov, right? If today is Yom Tov, then this is not an Eruv. But then I don't need an Eruv. Because then tomorrow is Hol. So I'm allowed to prepare from Hol to Shabbat. Right? If today is Hol, then I can't make my Eruv. Then let this Eruv be Hal, and this will be my Eruv for tomorrow to cook for Shabbat. So you see the condition that he makes? Because always on the Yom Tov, how do we look at Yom Tov? One day is Kodesh, one day is Hol. We don't know, it's Safik, right? So then we say, if today is Kodesh, tomorrow I have no problem. Tomorrow is Hol, I can cook. If today is Hol, beautiful, I can make an Eruv today. Let me make my Eruv today, and tomorrow I'll cook based on the Eruv that I made today. So he was telling uh, Rabbi Asher, do the same thing. The only thing he was doing, the difference is, there was Rosh Hashanah. Now we know Rosh Hashanah has a different dynamic than the regular two days of Yom Tov. Rosh Hashanah is really one long Kiddushah. So that's what happened. Amar Leh. So Rav tells him back. Imar de Amar Rava. When did Rava make this Kiddushah? He made a conditional Eruv Tabshilin. Bishnei Yamim Tovim Shal Galuyot. Bishnei Yamim Tovim Shal Rosh Hashanah. Mi Amar? Did he say regarding the two days of Rosh Hashanah? The two days of Rosh Hashanah are different. It's considered all one long Kiddushah. Therefore, there's no difference one day, two days. It's all considered one day. So the condition of is not going to work. So he comes along and tells him, as Rabbi Asher now uh, comes on, uh, Rabbi Nath comes along and says, Amri so What are you talking about? The rabbis of Nahardea, they came along and said, Anosha Shana, didn't we just turn the opinion of the Nahardi'ah rabbis? That they said Rosh Hashanah is no different than any other Yom Tov. It's one day Kodesh and one day Hol, meaning it's Sefek. And therefore, just like the Nahardi'ah rabbis allowed you to use a Betzah that was born on one day to the next day, so you could make a conditional Eruv. So Mordechai jumped in and tells Ravina, Beferush Amar Limor. It says, our master, Rav Asher, clearly told us, De lo We don't hold like Nehardi'ai. So therefore, don't bring up uh, Nehardi'ai. We don't go like Nehardi'ai. We hold that Rosh Hashanah is considered, Yomari Ikhtar, considered one long day. So therefore, that's why Rav Asher was uh, all upset. He says, I, I can't, I have the Eruf Tavshinin, and a Tenai is not going to be an option. Good? Comes the continues. New case. Itmar. We have a statement. Efroach shenolad b'yom tov. Till now we're talking about betzah shenolad b'yom tov. The egg comes out. Now we're discussing the chick. The chick is hatched on yom tov. What's this? In the egg. Comes out on yom tov. What's the status of the chick? What do you want to do with it? Make a shahita? You want to eat it? What's the deen? So Rab Amar Asur. Rav says, Asur, Ushmuel, Vetima, Rabbi Yohanan, Amar, Mutar. So Shmuel, and someone has said, Rabbi Yohanan, say it's Mutar. What's the logic? Rav, Amar, Asur, Bukseh. 
the logic of Rav is Muqseh. What type of Muqseh? Seemingly this is Nolad. This is a case of Nolad. Which means, you have it in the, uh, in the shell over there. That wasn't here. Uh, the way it is now in the shell, it is Asur. Everybody agrees that uh, as long as the uh, chick is unhatched, it's Asur to eat it. But therefore now, all of a sudden, it uh, surfaces, it comes out on Yom Tov. So now it's, uh, you know, it was created, so to speak, Nolad. Therefore it's Muqseh. Right, went into the holiday asur. Now all of a sudden it becomes uh, mutad. No, it doesn't work that way. Called the holiday asur remains isur. Right, that's Rav's logic. Mukseh. Well, Ushmael ve'etimar b'yuhanan amar mutar. It's the logic. Ho'il umatir atzmo b'shaita. He gives a sevara like this. Until this point, as we said, the chick inside the egg is asur. You can't eat it. Everybody agrees it's considered like a sheritz. Until it comes out, it's not considered a chick. It's considered a sheritz. And the Torah forbids us to eat sheratzim. Okay? Once it comes out, now the egg, or the chick I should say, has a permissibility to eat through shahita. Its status changed. Went from being isur to potentially heter. Right? So he wants to use a seminar like this of what's called ho'il. Since, since already you say its status changed, that it went from isur now becomes to heter to cheita. So I'll say it also goes from mukseh to become mutar as well, which means there's no mukseh on it. It's once already just like its status changed, the, the eating of it, so to speak. So it was going to become mutar. To use it as well. Look at Rashi's Lashon Ho'il. It's one, two, three, four lines. If they get wide. Ho'ilu matir atzo beledato liyot neshat mashelo'ya lefneledato. That wasn't permissible before. It was birth. Af mukseh hitir et atzo beledato. Temigu de etkan leha. Etkan leha. Once already I say it, it fixed itself regarding this. It fixed itself for everything. And once already it changed its status and became good for this, that's it, kosher it up for everything. Therefore it's not going to be mukseh. Amri le'erav kahana ve'erav ase le'erav. Now the Gemara is going to challenge Rav. Rav, you want to say that the chick is mukseh. V'chi mab ben ze le'egel shenolat b'yom tov. You have a cow. Cow gives birth to an egel, to a calf. Halakha says, the calf is mutar on Yom Tov. You can slaughter it. So they're asking the rabbi, hey, what's the difference between a chick being born on Yom Tov or a calf being born on Yom Tov? So the Gebra says, Amar lehu. Rabbi has an answer. Ho'il umukhan agav imo b'shaita. Which means the calf was permissible by result of its mother. Why? If you would slaughter the mother, are you allowed to slaughter the uh, cow on Yom Tov? Yeah, of course. If the mother was slaughtered while the calf is still inside, Halakha says, not only is the mother permissible, but as long as the calf is still inside when you are slaughtering, the calf is considered a limb of the mother. And therefore, it's permissible to eat that calf even without shahita. When do you have to make shaita on an animal when it comes out? But as long as it's in the mother's womb, it's like, a, could you eat the liver of the animal? Yeah, well, because the shaita causes up the liver. The animal is considered ubar yerich immo. 
the Obad is considered a limb of its mother. And therefore, since the mother is non-mukseh, and therefore, I could say, I got the mother, I could slaughter it, this is permissible, which means, there's no mukseh, my mind is, if I slaughtered the mother, I can eat this child. So then when it comes out, it should be no difference. However, by the case of the, of the chick, you don't have that sevara. You can't say it's going to be mutar, agav imo. Because uh, uh, agav imo, the, the chick is still asur. As long as the chick doesn't uh, come out, it really is asur. So there's a difference between a egil and a chick that doesn't come out. Look at Rashi. Mukhan, the egil should not be yomtov. See Rashi, the egil? The egil should not be yomtov. Right, so long as it's still uh, in its uh, womb, which means if the mother was slaughtered, this is permissible. And therefore, when it comes out, it's going to be mutar. So comes the Gemaran says, but, but, but the chick before it's born, does it have any intent of eating? That's the point. The chick when it's in the egg. Before it's born, could you eat it? This egg before it's born, you could have eaten it. How could you be eating it? I got more. So this chick before it comes out, is there any way to eat it? You can't eat it. It's a sur. Right? Now the Gemara says, okay, fine. Here's another question on him. Uma What about an egg that was born from a terefa? You have a cow that was terefa. That's a. That's a blemish that renders it terefa. Okay? Now the law is if you slaughter the mother of a terefa, since you weren't Matir the mother, you know, the slaughter of a terefa, the baby inside does not become mutar. But still, the law is when the baby comes out and you slaughter it on Yom Tov, it's permissible. So therefore, you have a similar case of this. Something that was. Asur, mm-hmm. right? And then when it came out, it became mutar. So then just like the terefa, it was asur until it came out. You can't say, I got him more. So it also was asur until it came out. Now that it comes out, it should be, shaita should be materit. It should be okay. Look at Rashi, terefa. Bena asur in nimsa betocha. In that case, if you slaughter the mother, terefa, the baby that's inside is asur. Same logic. Because since the Ubar is a limb of the mother, and the mother is terefa, the baby inside has a status of terefa. However, when it's born on Yom Tov, right, you don't say the Sivra, it was Muhan Agabimo. Because it's not the mother that made it mutar. It was a suit until this point. So what's the difference, Rav? Rav's reaction was, Shatik Rav. Rav didn't have an answer. He couldn't find the Hiluk between why he's saying the chick is Asur and the animal that comes out of the Terefa is Mutar. Amar Rav. So Rav is come and answer it. Ve'etima Rav Yosef. Shatik Rav. Why did Rav be quiet? What's the reason why he was silent? His answer. Lema lehu. Which means like this. <coughs> when Yom Tov went in, 
Was this animal fit for human consumption, the terefa? No. Not, not gonna, he can't. Human beings are not eating terefa. But it was fit for something. It was fit for kenavim. I couldn't give this terefa to the dogs. Well, the guy's a dog. wants to feed his dog food? Mutar? Yeah, mutar. So I could say like this. Since bottom line, the mother was not muksemining its mukan lekelavim. Therefore, what's inside of it is also considered non-mukseh. I got him more. It's part of the mother, right? So therefore, technically, if the mother's not mukseh, I could slaughter the mother. Whatever's inside the mother also is a little uh, calf also. It's not mukseh. So he's trying to say, Rava, there's a difference. There's a difference. Which in the case of the chick, the chick before it comes out is asur. How do you want to eat it? Tasur, you can't give it that way. A dog is going to eat a, a chick when it's inside the shell. It's impossible. It's in the shell. Can't eat it yet. It didn't come out yet. It's not fit for humans. It's not fit for dogs. How's the dog going to eat it? It's in the shell. The dog can't eat it until it comes out. So the egg case, it's a muksele gamre. Mashi'ek in the case of the terefa, very good. The mother is fit. Not fit for humans. It's fit for kelabim. So therefore, bottom line, Agav imor, this item going into Yom Tov, when it was still in the, in the stomach. It's not Mukseh. Because it's Agav imor. The mother's Ha'ulik Elavim, what's inside Ha'ulik Elavim. Therefore, when it comes out on Yom Tov, Agav imor, it's okay. Marle Abaye. Abaye doesn't accept this answer. Abaye doesn't like this answer. He says, no, this is not, this is not a valid answer. Hashta Mukhan Adam Lo Haveh Mukhan Lekelavim. Even something that's mukhan le'adam, we say is not mukhan le'kelavim. Let's read further and then we'll see exactly what Abiyah is getting at. Ditnan, we have a Mishnah, Masech Shabbat. Mehatechin et adilu'in nifnei abeyma. According to this opinion, you're allowed to cut up the gourd on Shabbat in order to give it to the animals. Ve'eta nevela nifnei ha'kelavim. Well, let's say an animal died on Shabbat. Now you want to cut it up. It's not fit for human consumption anymore. Obviously it died. So you can cut it up and feed it to the dogs. Obviously, this first opinion does not hold of mukseh, because the animal when it went into Shabbat, it really was not fit for the uh, dogs, right? Now all of a sudden it died on Shabbat, so Elijah to cut it up now. Now it became fit for dogs, cut it up and give it to the dogs. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, and this is the shita we want to focus on now. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, im lo Shabbat asura. He says, if this animal did not die before Shabbat, it died on Shabbat. You cannot feed it. To the dogs, why? Because it was not prepared for consumption of dogs. This animal, as long as it's alive, what's the guy's intent to use it for? For himself. Mukhan Adam. I mean, this guy going into Shabbat, the animal's alive. What does he intend to do with it? He's eating it himself eventually. He's, he's, no, it's not a terefa. It's about a regular animal. Regular animal was alive before Shabbat, went into Shabbat alive. So in Bereshit Hashanah, the guy's thinking, what? This is fit for me. Now it died. Now it's fit for dogs. Rabbi Yudah says, Mukseh. Because something that's fit for Adam, his mind is not to give it to the dogs. Why should I? I'm going to give good food that I can eat. I'm going to give it to the Kelabim. I had no intention to give it to these dogs. So therefore what happens? When it changes its status on Shabbat, now it's not fit for me anymore. It doesn't matter. It went into Shabbat, this was Mukseh for the dogs. Why? Because something that's Mukhan, the Adam, is Mukhan, is not Mukhan, 
for the kelabim. So he says, Abayah is talking, Mukhan the kelabim, Havi Mukhan the Adam? You're going to say the opposite is true? That's something that's fit for the dogs. You want to say, it's going to be fit for human beings? Which means, in this case over here, what's your answer that you want Rav to say? You want Rav to say, hey, you know what, this terefa uh, animal over here, the mother, it's fit for the dogs. And therefore, this animal that's inside the mother, that's really fit for human beings when it comes out. Since we're going to say it's fit for the dogs, I got Imo, so therefore we're going to say it's fit for human beings. Abiyah says, if something that's Mukhan Adam is not Mukhan Kelavim, something that's Mukhan Kelavim is going to be Mukhan Adam? It's like a kosher kid, which is normally uh, a person has his food, right? If you tell me something that you don't eat for your own food, now technically you could eat it and the dogs eat it. And still you say, you know what? No, no. If it's made for man, we're not giving it to the dogs. So certainly something that's designated for the dogs, your mind is not for Adam. And therefore in this case, how can you tell me that the terefa that's in the uh, womb, you're going to tell me, ah, you know why it's uh, non-mukseh? Mukhan kelavim. What? This was Mukhan kelavim going into Yom Tov. Now on Yom Tov when it was born, it's Mukhan the Adam. What do you mean? Mukhan kelavim should not make it mutar non-mukseh for Adam purposes. Just like you say, something that's mukseh for Adam cannot now become mukhan for kelavim, something that was mukhan for kelavim going into Yom Tov. Should not make it now non-mukseh for Adam. You designated it for dog food. Now you say changes the status? If you can't turn human food into dog food, you're going to turn dog food into human food? Amaleh, so he tells him, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll give you a logic. Go with the logic and you'll see why, why it's correct. In, why? You know why something that's designated for human consumption is not considered prepared for kelavim? Because something that's fit for you to eat, you're not going to give it to the dogs. Therefore, this animal that it goes into Shabbat, it's alive. My mind is, as long as this thing's alive, it's fit for me to use. I'm not giving it to the dogs. So when it dies on Shabbat, your mind was never given this. Why would you give a, a, a good animal that you can eat yourself to the dogs? However, But something that's fit for the dogs is also fit for humans, in the sense that it's prepared for humans. Why? A human being says, listen, I'm going to eat everything that's fit for me. Which means, if it's fit for me, I'm going to eat it. Therefore, going into Yom Tov, Right now, uh, there's, a, there's a baby in this terefa, right? The guy anticipates, listen, this baby is going to come out. When the baby comes out, what do you mean, I'm going to give it to the dog? No, I'm going to eat it. Why, 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 why should I give it to the dogs? It's, it's good food for me. So therefore, even though right now it's Mukhan Kedavim, because it's with the mother, right? If I slaughter the mother right now, the only hater is Agav Immo. Because uh, since the, the mother is Mukhan uh, Kedavim, so therefore, everything in this entity is non-Mukseh, going into Yom Tov. Correct? However, I say, you know what? If something is going to be somehow viable for me to eat, my mind's not off it. I'm going to eat it eventually, I'll eat it. When it comes out, if it comes viable, I'm going to eat it. So we're not going to say mukseh. The opposite, however, is not true. Something that's mukhan adam, I don't say to myself, oh, you know what? If it doesn't make mukhan to me, I'm going to give it to the good dogs. I'm not thinking, who's thinking about the dogs? As long as it's viable for me, I'm not giving it to nobody. I'm eating it myself. Changes its status on Shabbat by dying? Uh, changes status. I wasn't thinking about that. I'm not anticipating it to die to give it to the dogs. As long as it's viable for me, it's mine. My mom is never on that. But Muhanna Kelavim will say, Muhanna Adam. Right now it's Muhanna Kelavim. 
But I'm thinking to myself, listen, when this animal comes out, that edible for me, I'm going to eat it. Therefore, I could still, therefore, Rav has an answer. Let's, let's finish the thought. Mm-hmm. Rav has an answer. They ask Rav, Rav, by the chick you say that comes out on uh, Yom Tov, Asur. And your logic is, uh, it was Asur. Right? In the chick, it's Asur. You can't eat the, uh, the, the, the chick when it's in the egg. It's uh, Asur. There's no hetir. So now it uh, came out. Now it became mutar. Sorry, it cannot change. That's no lad. Hey, that's no lad. What about when an animal comes out of a terefa? Uh, right? Also, it was asur. Right? Tell me mutar. Nah, it wasn't asur. It was mutar. I gave him more. I gave him more. Was a terefa? No, it was mukhan. Lakelavim. And since it was mukhan lakelavim, when it went into Yom Tov, the animal that was inside was non mukseh. And therefore my mind was on it that when it comes out, I'm going to eat it. So that's the difference. Mashiach in this egg, when my mind was on it, it's, 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 it's not mukhan. I can't eat it this way over here. And therefore, when it, it comes out, it had no heter going into Yom Tov. It wasn't mutar agav mashihu. It was asur be'etzim. It's asur be'etzim. I went to change its status on, uh, on uh, Yom Tov. Tanya kevate de Rav, Tanya kevate de Shmuel, betim Rabbi Yohanan. Okay, now we're just going to bring Brightot to support both opinions. Rav's opinion is the chick is Asur. Shmuel's opinion is the chick is Mutar. Now we're going to bring Tanayik source for both. Tanya kevate de Rav. Egel shenolad biyom tov Mutar. Can we all agree to that? An Egel that's one on Yom Tov, Mutar. Let's review the logic. Why is that so? Because going into Yom Tov, it was mutar, I gave him more. I could have slaughtered the mother and eaten this uh, child inside. Now that it comes out, it remains non muksir. If rawah shinolad biyom tov, asur. Oh, but if rawah that's born on yom tov, asur. Who's this bright I like? Rav. And the bright says, Umay flesh ben zelezeh. What's the difference between the chick and the egel? Zeh mukhan, I gave him more. Bishhita. Zeh in a mukhan, I gave him more. The egel is mukhan, is prepared by its mother. Which means I could have slaughtered its mother right on Yom Tov, and this would be uh, permissible, right? It's non mukseh. The baby inside is non mukseh. Just the mother's non mukseh. Whatever limbs in it is non mukseh. Now when it comes out, it's also non mukseh. Mashiach the egg, the chick was as soon and became permissible. And more, not the chick, the egg, the egg. That's what it means. Tanya kivatid shmuel v'tima Rabbi Yohanan. You have a bright according to Shemuel. Egel shonad biyom tov mutar. The ifrawah shonad biyom tov mutar. Both are mutar. My tama zemuchan agavemo. The egel zemuchan agavemo. Vezem matir atzmo b'shkita. And the logic of Shemuel, like we learned earlier, we have the migu. Once this egg changes its status from becoming non-fit, and now it's fit. Through shahita, so we say it becomes fit for everything. Becomes fit meaning it's non mukseh as well, and therefore you can have it on Yom Tov. So again, that's the basic mahluk you have to keep in mind, just so you remember the mahluket, short and sweet. Rav and Shemuel, Efroah Shinal bi Yom Tov, Rav Osir Shemuel Matir. Tanurab Banan, Efroah Shinal bi Yom Tov Asur. Okay, obviously it's going like Rav. Rabbi Liyazab bin Yaakov Omer, Af Pehol Asur. Oh, Rabbi Liyazab says, hold it. A chick that's born on even a weekday. Forget about Yom Tov. Chicks are always asur. What do you mean? Lefi shelon itpatehu einav. Rabbi Yehuda ben Yaakov holds as long as the chick does not open its eyes, even after it comes out of the shell, it has a deen of a sheretz. 
And therefore, it's not considered a, a bird yet. And therefore, it's asur. Keman azla hadetanya. Who's the following brayta going like? Lechol asheretz, hasheretz laaris. When it says all the sheretzim that crawl on the ground, what is all the sheretz? Let a boat. If ruqim shlorit patihu anihim. To come to include chicks that did not open their eyes yet. Keman, kerebili aizah bin Yaakov. Who's that going like? Kerebili aizah bin Yaakov. That's his shita. Okay? So it comes out, everybody holds when it's still in the shell. It's a suit. The mahlokin is when it comes out and its eyes are still closed. Hagamim will say, eh, once it comes out, I don't care the eyes are closed. It's not a shit, it's anyway. Slaughter it, eat it, no problem. The Bilyazin says, no, no, no. You have to wait until at least it opens its eyes. Amaravuna, Amarav, new case. Besa. In yitzi ata nigmira. Now, until the end of the Gemara, we're just going to analyze what this statement means. A betzah, when it comes out, it is completed. Vague statement. Gemara says, My in yitzi atan nigmira. What does it mean when the egg comes out, it is completed? Ilima, maybe you'll tell me like this. In yitzi atan nigmira, umuteret leochla behalav. Maybe you'll tell me like this. When it comes out, it's complete, and now it has the status of an egg, to mean you could eat it with milk, implying, until the egg is complete, it's part of the animal. Just like the animal is meat, so therefore the chick is meat, therefore the, the egg is meat. The hindush is in atan nigmera, once it comes out, it's complete, halakha, now you can eat it with... Milk. It doesn't have a meat status anymore. Maybe that's the Hadush of this Kemara. Kemara says, You mean to tell me, Are you telling me that if I make shahita on the chick and I find an egg in the womb, you tell me those eggs that you find in the womb are forbidden to eat with milk? It's not so. You opened up the mother, right? You found eggs that were complete. Which means the eggs are always considered pav. Which means not only when they were born could you eat them with halav, but even when they're inside, now she says even if they have still the, the red veins coming through them and so on and so forth, they're considered pav. So that cannot be the statement of the Gemara. We thought to say, what does it mean? Betsim are finished when they come out. Finished, now you can eat them with halal. That's not so. Betsim, you can eat them with halal even when they're in the mother's stomach. So what does that statement mean? Ela, im nigmera. When it comes out, it's complete. Umuteret leochla biyumtof. Which means the Hadush is, now you can eat them biyumtof. What does it mean? So the case would be like this. Let's say the egg came out on Eid of Yom Tov. Right? Came out before Yom Tov. So that's whole. So therefore, the egg was really complete when it came out. Now the law is, as long as whole prepares for Yom Tov, it's okay. So maybe that's what the Gemara was saying. Gemara was saying like this. So long as the egg comes out before Yom Tov, Im with the the completion of the egg, so to speak, is finished in the sense that now you can eat it on Yom Tov. Because didn't we learn according to Rabbah, 
that you cannot eat something on Yom Tov unless it was prepared from the hole. So they're telling you, how is it prepared from the hole? In Yitzhi'ata, the fact that it came out during the uh, hole, this is already considered Nigberah, and you can eat it on Yom Tov. Look at Rashi. Uh, it's, uh, Yom Tov. Which means if it came out on Yom Tov itself, right? The Gabbara is going to say that this is Hakana Yom Tov cannot mechin for itself, which is Yom Tov now, you have Hakana on Yom Tov itself, therefore it's going to be Asur. So the Gabbara makes an implication over here. Gabbara says, you're telling me the only time I can eat this is because it came out before Yom Tov. What about if on Yom Tov I slaughtered the, the chicken and it's in there? It's mashmat, it's asur. Because you're telling me, Betza in yitziata kodem Yom Tov digmera umuteret. Master, because it came out before Yom Tov. Master, if it didn't come out before Yom Tov, and you slaughtered it, and it was inside, it's going to be asud. That's what you're trying to tell me? Why? We have a clear brayta. You found the eggs inside. It's permissible to eat them. So therefore, the way you're learning this statement, the implication is wrong. You tell me, betsim gemurot mutarot, meaning, when can you eat an egg on Yom Tov? Dafka if they came out before Yom Tov. Implying if they didn't come out on Yom Tov, even if you slaughtered it, it's a sur. That's a wrong implication, because I got a braita that clearly says it's mutar. If you find them in the uh, uh, chicken on Yom Tov. Maybe you'll tell me, this brighter that you're calling me that the egg inside the chicken is mutaram Yom Tov, it's not a valid brighter Because we haven't found the Mishnah that says this law. And therefore, this bright is Mishubeshit. This bright over here is not a valid bright. The bright is going to teach me something that I haven't found in the Mishnayot. Which is, if this was a halakha, wouldn't Rabbeinu HaKadosh have written it somewhere in the Mishnayot? From the fact that Rabbeinu HaKadosh did not write a Mishnah on this subject, must be old, it's a sur. And therefore, you can't have the egg that's in the stomach on Yom Tov. First of all, it is a Mishnah. What's the Mishnah? was born on Yom Tov, but when they slaughter it and they find it in the stomach, everybody's going to say mutar. Right. So therefore, from Al Mishnah, you could deduce that the egg and the chicken that you find on your tov is mutar. Kebras, who told you to learn the Mishnah like that? Maybe I'll tell you know what? Betelel is not only Osir the egg that came out on Yom Tov, but he's Osir the egg even that's in the mother. So why did he talk about the case of the born egg? How can we discuss the case of the egg inside? Mm-hmm. 
And the reason why the Mishnah chose the case of the egg that was hatched is to just with the leniency of Bet Shammai. That Bet Shammai is so lenient that he's even lenient on the egg that comes out. No, that comes out. There's a big The egg that comes out is to be Mahmir. Because it's Nolad, it came out. You don't have the Hittirim of Agavimor and all that other stuff. So therefore, the Gibran is saying like this. Gibran is saying, we have a Mishnah that clearly tells us the egg inside is Mutar. Clearly tells us. How does it clearly tell us? Well, you see, betza shloda biyomtov. Machloket betzvay betelim. The only machloket is betza shloda. Mashman, the betza that's inside. Everybody holds it's mutar. Who told you? Maybe I'll tell you. They're really arguing on the betza inside as well. And the only reason why they discussed the case of betza shloda to show you how lenient betzamai was. Kebrashi can't learn like that. Elaha detanya. We have a bright ashohet etatanegolit. Mm. You slaughtered the Tannegol and you found Betsim Gimurot inside. Mutarot leochlam biyumtov mani. Who's the author going to be? Lo Bet Shamai. It's not going to be like Bet Shamai because Bet Shamai doesn't only allow the Betsim, he even allows the egg that was born. Velo Betilel, because Betilel is not only Osir, what's inside, he's Osir outside. So this bright is going like nobody. Which if you're going to learn the Mishnah like you're learning, this bright has no author. Because you want to learn the Mishnah to say what? Betelelus will say it, everything. Egg, outside and inside. And Betelelus is matir, everything. Egg, inside, outside. But now we have a Braita. The Braita says, the egg inside the mother on Yom Tov is mutar. Implying egg inside mutar, but comes outside asur. Oh, who's, who's the author then? You have a Braita that's authorless. It's not Betelelus. It's not Betelelus. You have to say what? That the Mishnah, our Mishnah that was talking about the egg, was only talking about an egg that came out. But the egg that's inside and you slaughtered it, everybody's going to say, Mutar. Oh, so everybody's going to say Mutar. Now we're back to our question. What does it mean when it says, An egg, when it comes out, it is complete. What does that statement mean? And don't tell me it means when it comes out, Meaning before Yom Tov, it's now prepared to eat on Yom Tov. Because that implies that if it didn't come out on Yom Tov, you can't eat it. That's not so. Because when it didn't come out on Yom Tov and you slaughter it, you can't eat it. So therefore, to learn it that way, the implication is incorrect. So what does the statement mean? So the Gebrahaz, I will give you the statement. Ela, two lines on the bottom. Im yitziata nigmera umegadelet Rule about eggs. An egg, once it comes out of the mother, now it has the potential to produce chicks. But as long as it's in the mother, meaning if you took it out of the mother, it'll never turn into a chick. Which is if you slaughtered the chick, there's eggs in there. You took the chick out, you took the egg out, I'm sorry, this egg will never fertilize to a chick. Wow. However, if it's born, it comes out of the mother. In in yitziata nigmera. What it's when it's coming out, with its emergence, it's complete now to turn into a ifrawah. Look at the bottom nashi. Now, what's the nafkamina? Which is, what do we have to know this for? Stam uh, trivial, uh, 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 you know, question on uh, chicks. So the Rashi tells us, It's enough coming out for business. When it's born, They'll say it's like ripe, it's complete, it's mature. If you find in the mother's stomach, 
Now, ואם תבעו למכור ביצים לגדל אפרוחים, אם אחת אלו אבי מקחת אותו בתל המקח. נפקא מינה, you go to the store, you tell the guy, listen, I want eggs that can produce chicks. And he gives you the eggs from the womb, now you can take up the bed din, get your money back. מקחת אות. So the Gebra says that. Gebra says, למי נפקא מינה? What's the נפקא מינה over here? למקח וממכר. And the Gebra gives us a story. כי ההוא דאמר להוא. The story of a guy who went to the market and he said like this. He was saying, who has Be'ed Fahya? Be'ed Fahya means uh, when the chicken uh, uh, cackles uh, when she's giving birth, the mother chicken cackles. So they call the eggs that are hatched or that are born Be'ed Fahya. The eggs of the cackling uh, chicken, cackling eggs. So he said, So he's looking for seemingly eggs that can turn into chicks. That's what he says. This was the customer walking in the market trying to find these type of items. So what happens? They gave him the eggs from his animal that was, from a chicken that was slaughtered. They gave him the chicks inside. So they gave him. So he came to the rabbi. He said, hey, I went to the marketplace over here to buy uh, chicks. And they gave me these uh, eggs. It's a mistake in the transaction. Total refund. You get your money back. So the Gemara says, Peshita. What do you mean? Peshita. This is a no-brainer case. He's buying uh, uh, one thing. They gave him another thing. Which means, the Gemara is telling us a story. What's Hidush over here? He asked for A, they gave him B. So the Gemara says, no. Really, the guy, he wanted eggs to eat. He really wasn't going for chicks. He was going for eggs that are eaten. No, like they are. They hide the kamar de fahya. So why do you use the word de fahya? Cackling eggs. Why do you use that? Mishum de tsrivan. Because an egg that's hatched, not hatched, that's born, is more ripe. Which means for the consistency of eating, it's better when it's born. Which means you can eat them both when they're born, before it turns into a chick, or when it's in the mother's womb. So I can argue here also, when the guy said, He just meant he wants the born egg, because he'd rather have it more, you know, it's hard in the little, or it's more mature. Yeah, exactly, he wants a better tasting egg for him, let's say. Now, and then what would the law be? Then the halacha would say, well, it's not a Because by the way, you got what you got. But all the rabbi would have told them is, pay the difference. Because, yeah, you asked for the adifahaya, so you paid for a, you know, a higher quality egg. They gave you this inferior egg. So then Rabbi would have told them, all right, listen, halacha says, just pay him the difference what he gave you. No, when he said he wants eggs that are going to hatch, he wants eggs that are going to hatch into chicks, and therefore it's no sale, refund it all, and therefore it's a mekah. No, that's the addition of the case.